the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. A delight to welcome back to the show, representing Arizona's 1st Congressional District, our Congressman David Schweiker. How are you, David? How are you, sir? David, do I have you? I hear you fine. Now we're good. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Yeah, I, it always hits if you remove the mute button, right? Well, I I don't know. It, I, I think you were with us the first day we launched this thing last week. It's a new system. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm still working out some of my kinks. The system works fine. I don't always work as fine as the system. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. sorry and, and about that. And your timing is perfect. I just picked up little girl from school and just dropped her off for um, her little math program. And now I'm sitting in the truck outside as she's inside doing math tutoring. I love it. I love it. She's going to she's going to be more numer- numerate than all of us uh, pretty soon. I, I I know that little Olivia, she's a smart cookie. So if you ever have a suggestion though in reading tutoring, that's that's where I need some help. Oh, yeah, I have a ton of suggestions on reading tutoring. Yeah, I'm big on that. We'll talk offline about that. David, I, um, I like everyone else, uh, know what I'll be doing at 6 o'clock tonight, and I'm really looking forward to it. Do you, however, worry about, and if you don't or if you do, what do you say to this worry of mine? I sometimes worry that we're—and part of it is you can't take politics out of politics, and part of it is each candidate knows they have to do something to shake things up a little bit. But do you sometimes worry that we're writing the Democrats' talking points for them once the primaries are over? Um, uh, I may be actually even slightly more cynical than you. Okay. Um, What happens when a debate like this evening is more about the theatrics than the actual policy? Mm -hmm. Um, The formats don't actually give you the chance to sort of work through, hey, this is complicated. Right. This is what would happen. This is what you have to do. Instead, somehow you have to give that response in 60 seconds. Yeah. And so you end up with trite, stupid little pitchy memorized sentences. Um, and my fear is this just continues the process of dumbing down the discussion and debate in America. I agree with all that. This is hardly, and it's a very big fall from the Lincoln-Douglas debates where they each went at it. For, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's just, it, it was very different. It is a very different thing. And maybe it's partly our attention spans. Maybe it's partly the media. But more often than it's not. The, all, it's, the yeah. me, it's a combination of the media has gotten us to the point where if we don't have something poppy, you know, where it just hits us. In 20, 30 seconds, we're hitting the buttons on our television or our radio in our car, jumping to something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, I think the smartphones have taken our attention span and just crushed it. Here's what's interesting to me about that, because I agree with you, and it's, ca- it's not only crushed that, it's caused a lot of other problems, too. But what's kind of interesting, you probably noticed this, too, 
more and more people we know and more and more people we don't know, obviously, as well, are tuning in to long-form interviews, you know, whether it's yeah. – po- have you noticed that there does seem oh, no. to be this thirst it, it, for that? Remember, and, and, and look, I, I, I've actually, you know, uh, I want to pitch you. You should start a podcast. Um, I've done a number of podcasts on the budget and using, you know, uh, making people healthier and cures as the most impactful thing we can do to U.S. sovereign debt. And believe it or not, that takes an hour of podcast time just to walk through the, the setup and the numbers and the mechanics. And I've done a couple of those in the last six months. And one of them has had amazing numbers of people listen to it. Yeah. And just shocked me. Um, I think it's a demonstration that people are tired of being talked down to. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, people now want to be treated like the smart adults they are and want to actually hear something other than a you know, 30 second or 15 second soundbite. Um, they actually want the meat on the bone, shall we say. What many in the audience may not know, what they may know, but what they may not know, and I think you'll agree that this has been your experience too, is that when candidates, first-time candidates, hire consultants, one of the first things the consultants tend to tell them is when you talk, you have to talk at an eighth grade level. I have always hated that. I've never agreed with it. It's probably really? why I, you have never heard that. You've never heard no, that advice. I, I was hearing a fifth grade level. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Things have changed since I gave my. <laughs> then I tried my hand on it. No, my look, point, look, though, and look, I think you take you're... the point. Well, I have never agreed with it. I don't believe it, and I don't think people like it. Okay. Um, Look, you and I probably aren't a good sample set here. You and I live in one of the best educated communities in America. Um, my congressional district is one of the best educated, one of the higher income districts for Republican in the entire country. So, I mean, we had a meeting, a women's group meeting about six weeks ago, and half the room had PhDs. Okay. Which was a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, I believe I get away with trying to do much more technical, much more detailed. Um, but a lot of parts of America, people are busy. Yeah. They're racing to get the kids somewhere. They're racing to the next appointment. They only have so much time. And you're often trying to compress a thought into as few words as, po- uh, as possible and making it as impactful as possible. So look, there's more to it than just beating up the intellect of America. It's also how busy our lives are. Time truly has become our most precious commodity. And that's why, actually, I think some of the longer formats in the podcast, where you're doing a longer drive, you're driving to work, they're almost not listening to traditional media. Uh-huh. They're actually now listening to a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too, if it's a good podcast. Anyway, all right, let's not forget that side of it, too. Because, it ten, you know, I'm looking at your Twitter feed, for example, and you say that you recently had the privilege of attending Troop 252's Court of Honor ceremony, uh, giving congressional res- uh, recognition certificates to Eagle Scouts. Yeah. And, 
you know, I could do an hour with you, David, on the import of raising up and training young boys in this country and the need for it. And I think people would love it. And maybe this can be a down payment for the next time we visit to maybe have that very conversation. But I, 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 these are the kinds of conversations I think people are craving because of the kind of culture and politics they've been given. All right. For also anyone that's listening to the two of us ramble on, um, it, it, it's as you know, I do four speeches every week I'm back in D.C. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're a half an hour. Sometimes they're a full hour. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of slides and lots of math. And sometimes I drive people crazy with trying to explain the demographics and what's really going on in the economy and what's about to hit us. The scale of debt that's about to hit us is terrifying. I would do those about five years ago, Mm -hmm. and I would get a couple thousand views. Now I've had some that have had a million views. There is something going on in society. And it also means sticking with an issue, too. Don't give up. Don't ever, ever. I mean, that's really one of the best pieces of advice Winston Churchill taught the world, isn't it? Never, 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 never give in. Just because you think you're right and you're not getting traction and then you start becoming convinced you are right and you're not giving, getting traction, stick with it. Stick with it. That's good advice in a lot of realms of life, I think, too, not just politics, by the way. Well, look, sometimes the issues move your direction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And maybe, you know, I don't know if you were in D.C. back. There was an old Washington Post columnist. I think he may have retired before you were elected. Maybe not. But William Hoagland was his name. And he wrote something I'll never forget. He said, uh, information isn't important when it becomes available. It's important when it becomes appreciated. And I've just never forgotten that. I don't know what to do with it, but I've never forgotten it. That's very poetic. Um, (laughs) But but you also know, um, one of my themes, and I try to do this every week on the show, there's so many things around us, and many of them are just awful. Yeah, I know. Um, But they're transitory. Yep. They'll be awful today, they'll be awful next week, but three weeks from now, it's moved on to something else. Yep, yep. The demographics, the debt, the spending, the lack of economic growth, the lack of society um, getting healthier, the the three and a half million young men missing in the economy, mm-hmm. um, you know, these sorts of things that are structural, um, they don't disappear in three weeks. No, that's right. And it's uncomfortable to talk about them because they're complex. But there's the very things that actually make a difference yep. if we could take them on. Yep. And that's my argument. I call them the durables. Around here, we call those the durables. David Schweiker. Good th- phrase. It. Yeah, good phrase. All right. Thank you, brother. Um, say hi to Olivia, and we'll talk reading offline uh, later. Uh, but thank you, sir, for everything you do. And are Yeah, doing. let me know. I'm looking for a, a, a great reading tutor. I've got a ton of advice on that front. You betcha. All thank right. You. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon, David. Thank you, brother. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Mutual friend of young David's and mine named Steve argues this is the most conservative song in pop because I was just about to say that. Y- yeah. You were? You were yeah. going to remind like, the audience that's of that? That's the song. <laughs> yeah, because it's so happy and optimistic. Not happy, but it's so optimistic. Or at least, at least if it's not optimistic, it encourages optimism, right? And it's a, and it's a prayer. We it's don't both have many optimistic songs anymore. Not a lot. 
Not a lot, no. Might be interesting for us to make a collection of them. A collection of happy music. Well, optimistic. Happy's different than optimism. Optimistic. Um, encouraging. I'm trying to remember who the novelist was. I'll come up with it in just a minute. Who said um, it was... It was uh, encourages you about life generally you want think you want to surround yourself with people who encourage you about life generally i'll, I'll remember it in just a moment let me go to uh let me go to doug who always helps me with my memory hello doug how are you wait a minute wait a minute what was that last statement you said Seth? yeah very doug, funny doug, doug. very funny yes very <laughs> funny <laughs> Oh, God. How how the heck are you today? I'm doing just fine. I woke up early. I had a really good run and a uh, good walk with the uh, dog, good workout. With Got the wonder dog, take yeah. Seth out for yeah. a, a big loop to this morning, I every, hope. Every morning. Every morning she takes morning. me around for a couple loops. You betcha. That is a loyal partner there, a loyal friend. She's you the know, best. That does it. She is the best. Yep. Hey, I had, uh, you know, with the debate coming up uh, tonight... Um, I started thinking, and, and, and sometimes that can be good, sometimes that can be a, a bit of a, a warning, um, but I was thinking that we, it's really good that we have these passionate debates and we have passionate feelings for one, per, one uh, candidate over another, but I'm really hoping, because even though I have very intense uh, beliefs that we're having the wrong tactics that, you know, about the establishment or the uniparty, okay. it is not against the individuals. And I've heard too many things being said negatively towards one candidate, like if Trump doesn't get elected, I'm not going to vote. Right. Or if or if Ron DeSantis doesn't get I elected, I'm not going to vote. I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. Oh, oh no. It's terrible because we have to realize I, that in the end, I don't care if Chris Christie gets elected right. and he's the last candidate I would vote for. Mm -hmm. I would crawl over glass Absolutely. and I would work in, on his can I would work in his um, in his campaign to help him get elected, and I would do so with good cheer. Yep, because uh, for the most part, there's nobody here that's evil or bad. Right. And and we're just going over who we think is going to be the best. And too many times, I think we self-destruct because, and I think it's a terrible thing to do. And I think we have to fight like a dog for whoever it is and uh, do so very happily, not half-heartedly, but with tr the same passion that I was um, hollering about yesterday for us being gutless. That has to be the same passion for any soul that is our party's candidate. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I just think that is such a great, gosh, that is such a great analysis. I it, Nobody said it better than that. Uh, you know, I've been lamenting how, uh, I particularly have seen this in social media, the, the various camps in the Republican Party going, um, going after each other in ways that I, I just don't remember ever seeing the bitterness that I'm seeing oh, right now. Yeah. I, there's a level that is new. <clears throat> Excuse me. If it was, you know, um, look, you can't take politics out of politics. I understand this point. And, of course, electioneering should be combative, and there should also be an element of fun to it. Politics used to have some fun to it. That's all gone right now. The fun part is gone. Yep. And maybe the times are too serious for that. I could be open to that argument. But the bitterness, I don't understand. 
And not only don't I understand it, I think it is discouraging. And it's discouraging because there's too much use of the personal pronoun I. This is not about you. This is about a country. And if you can't understand that in each of their various ways, these guys and gal, I suppose, or maybe guys and gals, these guys and gals are submitting themselves to take on the uh, blueprint and the kinetic active Marxism that is sweeping this country. And if you are too self assured that there's only one person who can do that and you're going to go home if it isn't that person then you're consigning your own ego above you're putting your own ego above the place of the country that needs to be saved right now and ironically this is this and, and well said Seth. It, it, but ironically here's what would happen is they would actually speed up the left's advance with that kind of an attitude because if we have if we self-destruct and hurt our own we aid the left we have to if you want to hurt the left then you fall in line behind whoever it is in opposition and do so with joy and i think i think as much as i love the passion of rebellion against the the uniparty but we have to realize that I think a lot of people's, like I said yesterday, I think a lot of people's melees and negativity is because they realize the old ways of doing things uh, only aided the left. Because look at the left took over with that pa- with that technique; it mm-hmm. didn't work. Mm-hmm. But to resort to negativity, like I said, it's a chance to say it. That is only a sign for change. It isn't a sign for despair. Right. And uh, we have to look at that and say, I recognize that that isn't going to work, so I'm going to fight in with ch- good cheer. Yep. Anytime in history, a good leader that changed technique didn't seize doom and gloom. I'll go back to the Battle of the Wilderness in the Civil War. We had been losing because we didn't have good le- leadership, but it was attitude. On the first day, the Union got demolished, and they were in, in pulling back in the lines and battlement, and everybody was talking, um, oh, my God, what is, what is, what is the South going to do? What is Lee going to do? What's going to happen? And, and this new leader said to them, I no longer, I do not want to hear what they are going to do. I want to hear what we're going to do. Oh, stay on the line. I want to tell you a fun and the audience a fun story on that on the other side of the break. And by the way, you were good for you were good for my memory, as I predicted. I remember the author George Eliot. Encourage about life generally. All right, be right back. Room for more six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter, from draconian COVID restrictions to decimation of small businesses and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency. Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. 
the only precious metals dealers Seb Gorka and I trust and use and endorse. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. You still there, Doug? I am, I am. So, story about that last point you were making, um, seeking the optimistic or seeking the positive um, and dispensing. You told that great story from the Civil War, uh, perhaps a little more prosaic and a little less poetic, um, but contemporary to a degree. When my old boss, Jack Kemp, became uh, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, you know, there's the bureaucracy that is there, the non-political appointees that come in and update him on all the stuff that uh, he's new right into the office as secretary just confirmed. And uh, some of the top people come in and say, well, we've been working on this and we've been working on that. And you have to do this and you have to do that. And one guy raised his hand and said, and, you know, just to give you an update, we're almost completely done with the study on the causes of poverty. And Kemp says, cancel it. And excuse me, what? We're almost done. This is taking a lot of work. We're almost done on the on this story on the causes. We don't need to study po- poverty, he said. Go get me a study on the creation of wealth. I love that. I love that. I, I love that. Of course, yeah. I've always enjoyed Kemp. But, you know, that is such a brilliant thing because we need to focus on solutions. Yeah. Uh, part of why we analyze things and we tear things apart and this didn't work, that didn't work, it isn't to be the naysayer. It's it should be to find out what works so that we can find then turn our direction to the path that does. Mm-hmm. All great leaders and changes in history have been to those that changed the system that wasn't working. Right. And did so with passion and optimism. Uh, um, you know, the Kazarine Pass in North Africa, we got demolished in, right? Yep. And our demo- everything was down. I mentioned a little bit yesterday. Now, the leader they t- taught um, chose to bring in there to make a change in the uh, U.S. Army because our morale was down because everybody knew, hey, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And therefore, everybody's attitude is down. Now, all the problem was that the officers were getting down too, and their their negativity was passing down among the ranks. There came in a brash general, George Patton, who was optimistic. He saw, and he saw opportunity where others saw defeat. Yeah, and all good leaders seize on that because in we have in, in look at if we're negative. We should seize upon the opportunity to take action. Most people in life are depressed because they have a loss of power in their life. So the way you grab power is to take action. Volunteer, walk, do something, make phone calls, get rid of your cell phone company, take the uh, conservative cell phone company, take simple actions, Take a, don't go out to dinner, donate to a, a congressman. Support a good You'll cause. That, Support a good cause. Yes. Yeah. It's terribly empowering. You're going to get excited you know, instead it's, of feeling it, depressed. I, one of the great stories I like, I sometimes think we have... I sometimes think we have a lot to learn from children at a certain emotional level, not an intellectual level, but perhaps more of a social um, level. 
Do you know the story of, um, I got to take the break, Ruby Bridges? Do you know the story of Ruby Bridges? No, no, I don't. You you will in a moment. You will as I describe it. Norman Rockwell's Mm -hmm. great painting of that young little black girl being escorted to school. Her name was was Ruby Bridges. And when a Harvard psychologist uh, named Robert Coles was studying the effects of uh, segregation and discrimination on uh, young black children in the South, he went to go and see uh, how Ruby Bridges was coping with all this stuff, and he noticed that her lips were moving while she was being escorted to school by the U.S. Marshals. And he said, who were you talking to, Ruby? Quote, I was talking to God and praying for the people in the street. Professor Coles, why were you doing that? Ruby Bridges, six years old. Well, because I wanted to pray for them. Don't you think they need praying for? Oh, God, I'll that leave breaks it on your heart. heart. Yeah. It- Thank you. I got to hit the break. There's not more that can be said anyway. <laughs> you didn't have to deal with that song when you were in college, did you, young David? No, I didn't. You didn't have to deal with people in tie-dyed shirts and long hair wearing patchouli was an acrid destruction of your nasal passages because they were so encircelled by the Grateful Dead. You didn't have to deal with any of that. No, I didn't. Good. What's your pin say? <laughs> I've got, uh, it says Americanism, and I figured that would be appropriate on debate day today. Yeah. This was, uh, well, you take a guess. Do you know what it is? Americanism. Is American it a presidential campaign? Ism. Not quite. Uh, not quite. American dash ism. American dash. How how old is it? Is it more than fifty years old? Yes, it's more than fifty years old. I think I would go to America first. Maybe Lindbergh type stuff, possibly. This was for supporters of McCarthy during the, uh, the ah. Red Scare of the early 50s. Oh, really? When he called out uh, communism. Nice. You know, these were guys that were behind Americanism. I like yeah. that. I like that. Well done, sir. I yeah. like that. Uh, I need to crowdsource a question for the audience. And David, you, young David, you can participate here, too, if you Shoot. like. I have uh, friends, married couple, Barry and Kit. And they just acquired a tortoise, and they oh. need to give it a name. It's a he. Okay. And uh, we need to find a good name for this tortoise. And I told him I'll give it to the smartest audience in the world <laughs> and the most creative. What's the approximate age? Uh, young. Young. Yeah. So this tortoise will probably outlive them Everyone. and us and everybody. Yeah, yeah and yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Hmm. So anyone in the audience who has a good idea for the tortoise it's 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 i'm told as tortoises go it's quick it's fast now you have to of course take that whole notion of a fast tortoise with a certain grain because um when they told me that i looked up the guinness world record speed of a tortoise is uh six tenths of a mile per hour, which makes it 400% slower than the average human being walking. So for fast, and let's assume that this tortoise isn't as fast as the world record's fastest tortoise, let's just take that with a grain of salt. So on the other hand, you think about a fast tortoise, you have the story of the tortoise and the hare, right? And uh, that 
tortoise's name, I believe, was Toby, if I'm not mistaken. It has a name? No, well, the the one in the in the old in the old uh, in the old Warner Brothers iteration. From you know, the, the first 1930s. thing I thought of, we were just talking about McCarthy and turtles and I tortoises. Was tortoises. And you confuse cover. the two, you'll drown one. There's a difference. Wait, what? It's a tortoise, not a turtle. One can swim, one can't. Don't make so that. You can't con- call him Yurtle. No, it's not a turtle. It's a tortoise. Let's not get involved in species confusion. We have enough problems with gender confusion. Ha. Yeah. Okay. What were you going to say about Americanism? You, uh, nothing you, about that. I was just I was thinking of uh, you know the old uh, cartoon. If we were talking about early fifties, Duck and Carver with the little turtle. Talking about nuclear safety. Oh, I see. I you have see. no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. Getting onto the desks, the black and white, yes, the yes. black and white the films. And white yes, film. I remember yeah, those. Yeah. They had to do those drills again, you know, in Hawaii and Alaska in the latter part of the Obama years um, because of North Korea. I mean, they didn't have those same films, but they had to engage in those kinds of drills again for the children. You know, it catastrophized. That was an early version of catastrophizing children because, of course, everyone knows that in a nuclear event, getting under one of those fixed desks would have about the same effect as walking outside the schoolroom and opening up your arms, you know? I mean, it just, it, it, it was absurd. It was absurd. We've been running kids through catastrophizing uh, ideation for, for, for decades now. Decades, and of course, we did it with COVID as well. I was thinking about that the other day. Had that piece in the Washington Times. You know, we were talking about how more children died from drug poisonings just one year alone last year. More children died from drug poisonings last year alone than in all three years from COVID. Um, And you know, you think about what this country did to children during COVID, a disease that really didn't affect them, the catastrophizing of them, the using of them, the abusing of them, the shutting down of their schools, the yanking them from their social and uh, social experiences and lives uh, and life, their athletic life. And you see, we're doing this again. There's, there's the, this is beginning to creep in again now with uh, the new COVID variant and the new return to schools and the masking and the vaccination mandates that you're seeing. And it's it's really quite tragic. And someone I was discussing this with the other day said to me, David, said, well, we did all that, sure, but it wasn't really to protect the children. It was to protect the adults. Hmm. And I thought, well, if that's true, and I heard that argument at times, sometimes it was for the children and sometimes it was argued that it was on behalf of the adults. But if that was true— I want you to think about what a sick society it is that uses children to protect adults. I mean, what are we, the, what are we, the, 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 the Iranian besiege that uses children for minesweepers to protect the soldiers behind them? It's, it's, it's a, it's a misprioriti- misprioritization of our values. If, we, if that is the salient argument, and if people want to try and make that argument, think about what you're arguing. You are using children to protect adults. That's the sign of a sick society to me. I don't know if you had a thought on that. I was just, I was just going off. No, I, 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 I agree. It's the pandemic. Because uh, you worry really about children a lot, right? Yeah, I, of course I do. I worry about young children. I worry about college children, high school children, people that grew up under uh, a, just a different world than I grew up in. It seems so very rapidly. Somebody the other day 
they were asked a question about, well, what do you believe in? And it was in regards to a hot-button political issue of the day. And he said, well, I believe what a majority of people believe about five years ago. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. I believe what a majority of people believe about five years ago. It's amazing how quickly you can be canceled, sanctioned, count, or punished for saying something that only even a year ago was standard, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the rapidity with which we're moving. But in that rapidity, I think we lose these values, these strong, important values that we used to know, which is you don't use children to protect adults. Every revol Like Saturn, every revolution devours its own children. Saturn was the Roman god who ate his children. Why? You know why? Because he, he was afraid of them. them. Exactly yes. right. It's a sick society that does that. And um, as much as I hate to say we aren't a sick society, at many, many, many sociological and political levels, we are. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, um, brought to you in part by our good friends at Y-Refi, which you've been hearing me talk about for a while now, they've been getting a lot of phone calls, and we and they thank you for that uh, and for supporting an investment that actually does help people. A lot of people are talking about this investment, so I'd like to review it with you. First off, it is totally true. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no fees. There is no attack on principal if you ever need your money back, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. If you're not sure if you trust this economy, this secure collateralized portfolio may be just the right option for you. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. That's 888-YREFI-24. They're also headquartered here locally. You can visit them. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. They uh, encourage that. And you won't be asked to sign anything, and you won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. Just really good people. And when you do visit with them, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. You can, too. You want me to close out the hour with that story of Ruby Bridges once again? She's the little girl. She actually did exist, does exist, still alive, uh, that Norman Rockwell painted in, uh, what was it called, the, the, the Problem We All Live With? I believe that was the title of it, The Problem We All Live With. Little girl in New Orleans who's being escorted by U.S. Marshals to school, uh, that uh, school in New Orleans that was desegregated um, and required federal marshals, unfortunately, to get her safely to that elementary school, William Franz Elementary School. She was only... Um, she was only five, uh, excuse me, only six years old. And Harvard psychologist uh, Robert Coles, very famous psychologist at the time, maybe still so. He's not alive, but he may still be famous, uh, was studying the effects of segregation and racism on young children. And he was very taken by the story of Ruby Bridges. And he went down to go see it for himself, how she was going to school every day with this escort. And Rockwell captures it perfectly with her upright, you know, posture and proud walk. And uh, Coles noticed that her lips were moving as she was walking, and he said to her, who were you talking to, Ruby? And she says, I was talking to God and praying for the people in the street. And Coles, Dr. Coles said, why were you doing that, Ruby? And she said, because I wanted to pray for them. Don't you think they needed praying for? 
And then Coles asked, where did you learn that? You know what she said? From mommy and daddy and from the minister at church, I pray every morning when I come home from school and every afternoon when I go home. Coles said, but Ruby, these people are so mean to you. You must have some other feelings besides just wanting to pray for them. You know what she said? No, I just keep praying for them and hope God will be good to them. I always pray the same thing. Please, dear God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's a six-year-old. Okay, we'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.